Welcome to SCN2A Insights, bringing you the latest research and clinical updates on SCN2A and genetic epilepsy from around the world. So welcome to this episode of SCN2A Insights. I'm David Cunnington. And I'm Chris Pearce. And in this episode, we're talking about quality of life and outcome measures and how to actually measure quality of life in clinical trials. And this is something that's becoming increasingly important as we look towards treatments and because we really need these outcome measures to be broad because we know our children have many more symptoms than just seizures. So we want to go beyond just counting seizures and try to really get a handle on quality of life. And you've done well, quality of life outcome measures allow comparisons across conditions, which really is important when we then go to look at funding and try and get some of these treatments, hopefully if they're effective, funded. So who did you find for us to talk to? And So for this interview, we found Dr. Jenny Downs, who is the Program Head of Disability Research at the Telethon Kids Institute in Perth. Um, she leads a lot of research projects. They're looking at quality of life and her particular interest has been in um, children with disabilities. She's done a lot of work in rare disease, particularly with Rett syndrome and also CDKL5 and is currently looking into quality of life measures within the DE community. So she was the right person to ask. Welcome, Jenny. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, Can you just tell us a bit about your background and, and your work? Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. My clinical background is that I am a physiotherapist. I then launched into a different way of working. I wrote a PhD when my children were little. And after PhD qualification, I joined the child disability research team here at um, Telethon Kids Institute, and I have been working in this field now for more than 15 years. I work with children with a range of different conditions. Many of those conditions are, are associated with intellectual disability, and many of the children we work with, many of the conditions are rare genetic disorders, including Rett syndrome, CDKL5 and Prader-Willi syndrome. So with all of that different work, my vision is that all of these children will have the absolute best quality of life that they will be able to achieve. And that is a very strong focus of my work as an outcome. So how do you define quality of life when you're trying to measure it as an outcome? Quality of life is a a concept that we all know in our hearts. We all know intuitively what quality of life is. And then when we come to define it, it becomes a little bit more challenging, but we still have a common understanding that quality of life is a sense of fulfillment, a sense of enjoyment, happiness, all of those sorts of words across a range of different areas of our life. That might be social functioning, it might be our health, it might be our our mental health, it might be um, how we're functioning as a person in being independent. It, it captures a range of different domains of our life. And, and that is why it is such an important domain, because it's a summary of how well we are living. We've spent time investigating the domains of quality of life that are important for children with intellectual disability. And this hasn't been done before. And we were able to capture Um, important domains that enabled us to create a scale of quality of life for the children. And with a scale, we can then look at, at what the most important determinants of the child's quality of life actually are. So starting with a very broad concept that is about feelings, we can then move to something that we can observe more systematically. And if we can do that, then we can 
understand what is important for a good quality of life. A related concept to quality of life is the notion of health-related quality of life. And this has many similarities to the concept of quality of life, but it is specifically associated with a particular condition, a particular comorbidity. For example, we have asthma quality of life scales. We have cystic fibrosis quality of life scales. We have some epilepsy quality of life scales. So that concept relates specifically to the effects of a particular condition or or health issue on the person. So what are the impacts of rare epilepsies on quality of life? There are very many different conditions which are associated with epilepsy and many of those conditions occur rarely. And for all of those conditions, many of them have an underlying genetic cause. And that condition is is then affects the child's impairments, their abilities to function, such as their walking, their talking, their behaviours, other aspects of functioning. And it can also have effects on other different health issues. And, And by having seizures, depending on how frequent they are or the different types of seizures, that can also have impacts in how you can conduct your daily life. So the effects of the rare epilepsies, which um, are are, are very many um, in terms of how they affect quality of life. So as parents, we don't live in a world of outcome measures and this type of thing. Mm. We live in a world of, Mm. today was a tough day and Mm. really sort of hard to to manage. But Mm. why is it important to try and translate that experience of parents and children into measures and outcome measures? That is a terrific question because it does seem a little bit less related to everyday life. What is an outcome measure? An outcome measure is something that enables us to quantify a characteristic or a set of characteristics such as the characteristics that are included in the concept of quality of life. So that might mean we measure a child's height or weight or it might mean that we measure the severity of epilepsy or, or the side effects of epilepsy treatments or we could measure quality of life. So these are important because we need measures to tell us how the child is going clinically, socially, in in terms of how they're, they're managing their daily lives. And also, if there are new treatments, then we need to be able to evaluate if that treatment has, in actual fact, made a difference to that child health, well-being or their quality of life. And really, it's, it's very clear to us all that treatments are an extremely important part of how we go forward. The equivalent, uh, almost as important, but really equally important in evaluation is that you have a strong outcome measure. And that means you really know what the, the treatment is actually doing for the child. A strong outcome measure will be reliable. It'll test what it's meant to test. And it will also show us change if there has, in actual fact, been change. And with outcome measures, can you actually then compare like but different conditions? If you get the outcome measures right, can you translate across different disorders to make those comparisons? Absolutely, you can. Um, as long as the outcome measure maps in, a, in the, the words contained in that measure, the questions and the way they're rated, as long as they map 
to another condition, then the outcome measure will be translatable. It helps, of course, in that development process if an outcome measure is tested in a range of children so that you have that data to inform your decisions in choosing an outcome measure potentially for a clinical trial or even for clinical practice. So, but absolutely, if they're developed to cater for a particular set of aspects that you want to measure, outcome measures can be translated across different conditions. What's the landscape of outcome measures for DEEs? DEEs, you're probably all very aware that that's the initials for developmental um, epileptic encephalopathies and many of the rare epilepsies have epilepsy and also some effect on the child's development as well. The outcome measures that are available, firstly, um, there are outcome measures available for epilepsy. We can look at EEGs and evaluate those readings. Um, There are seizure diaries and there are various scales for severity of seizures and seizure frequency. There are also some measures available for different motor skills, communication, adaptive functioning. Some of those measures are suitable for many of the the DEE conditions, but some it is not clear that they are suitable because some of the children with DEEs may have more difficulties with their development such that that the items in the scales may not be as sensitive to changes that may be occurring. So there is some work to do in the the area of of functional measures for DEEs. And then, of course, we come back to this important concept of quality of life. And quality of life, uh, there are lots of measures for quality of life. There is, um, but there are very few measures that have been developed with children who have developmental difficulties in mind. So many of the items simply do not map and do not show granularity. They do not show capacity to be able to respond to changes so that we can map progress that is actually occurring. And, And I would suggest that we really need to be better able to measure quality of life in relation to epilepsy for children with DEEs. And indeed, this is something that I'm very much wanting wanting to do. I've started doing now and I want to continue doing this into the future. I think what is really important when I reflect over the, 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 the measures that are available is how they have been developed. And the best measures listen to the voices of families in building up that an extraordinarily rich bank of stories, extracting from those stories and to create items for the scale and then go on to test those um, scales with the usual methods that have been done across most scales. But really, we're at the beginning of this story for DEEs. And so we have the opportunity to do absolutely best practice, listening to the voices of families and really creating something that will be sensitive and granular and suitable to to the children. So as part of your research, you've developed some outcome measures on a particular scale. Is it actually being used in clinical trials of new therapeutics in DEEs? Yes, it has. And, And just to recap, we've developed a quality of life measure for children with different intellectual disabilities. And pharmaceutical companies understand that 
there is more to evaluate than simply the number of seizures or the, the, the frequency of seizures. So they want to know how the child is functioning and how the child is living. Indeed, this is what the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration in the US, also wants to see in trials that are submitted to them for approval. So it, it travels down and pharmaceutical companies are extremely interested in broadening the scope of what they measure when they evaluate new, new medicines. So, so far, our quality of life scale has been used in two randomised controlled trials for two different developmental epileptic encephalopathies. And, um, and so that is very fast progress that speaks to the need for this sort of measure. And a third trial is currently being planned with exactly that same quality of life measure. So again, pharmaceutical companies are also asking for quality of life measures that are more closely aligned with the health issue of epilepsy. So it sounds like it's really important to engage closely with families and um, children to understand how to develop these type of measures. And I understand you're doing some work already in this area. Are there things families can do to help? And where do you hope to go with some of your research? There are plenty of things families can do to help. So that, that's a terrific question because a measure such as health-related quality of life in relation to rare epilepsies is all about the children. And that means connecting with the children, but particularly connecting with parent caregivers who are observing their children and know their children. They are the experts on their children. And so reaching to families is the fundamental essence to the ultimate goal of developing a strong outcome measure. We have started this process and thank you to, to Chris and other organisations in Australia who have been advertising our study to requesting to connect with families to start with interviews. And that will be the very beginning of our, our long pipeline of creating the right items. And then when we have a scale, we'll be field testing it. And that means testing it for its how it stands up statistically. And thereafter, we hope that it will be a suitable measure for the clinical trials that are on the horizon and for which we need measures that really can map the responses in terms of quality of life to those new treatments. So we're busy and we have started this, this process, this pipeline of development, and uh, as well as already having started some interviews and we would welcome um, involvement of more families, we have started lots of different grant applications. So we're in the business of finishing this job. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I guess if there's anyone out there that's interested in supporting your work, then we'll have all the details in our show notes for them to get in contact. Yes, that would be terrific. Thank you. Thanks very much for your time today, Jenny. Thank you. So thanks for arranging that interview, Chris. I think Jenny was an ideal person to talk about outcome measures and really seems to be leading the way in this space and making sure these measures are getting incorporated into the clinical trials. Yeah, and it, it takes a lot of work to do it and so we need the community to get behind it and also the government to understand that this kind of research needs funding. So if you like the podcast, subscribe so that you can continue to get more information about SEN2A and, and developmental and epileptic encephalopathies. Follow us at SEN2A Australia on Facebook or Twitter at SEN2A Australia. Thanks a lot. Thank you. 
This podcast is not intended as a substitute for your own independent health professional's advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider within your country or place of residency with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.